Amen. Well, thank you guys very much, and good morning, Livingstones. Uh, I was going to say, I'd love to say it's great to be with you, but it's great to be with you online. I'm grateful for the opportunity we have to be able to connect uh, in, in this way digitally, even though uh, we can't be together in person. Uh, I tell you, it is, it is hard coming to church on a Sunday morning and not being able to be with the people that that you love to be with your church family. And so we just want to say uh, how grateful we are that you have tuned in and joined us today. Um, I, as, as I'm sure you guys have all seen in the email and on our Facebook post uh, that Jim and Meredith and I, we uh, all came in contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID this week. And so the responsible thing to do was for us just to take service online. We wanted to protect you, protect all of our, our neighbors and our friends here and not uh, spread this any anywhere else. And so uh, hopefully uh, and prayerfully, you know, our tests are going to come back negative and, uh, and we're going to be good to go from there. But we'll keep you guys posted on that. But again, just wanted to say thank you to you guys. You guys have been uh, gracious. You guys have been patient as we have tried to figure out how to do ministry different in, uh, in the, the season of COVID that we're in right now. And so um, again, just want to thank you guys for joining us online today. Um, I have one thing I do want to share with you uh, coming up that we have coming up on November 21st. We're going to have our exterior Christmas decor day. Um, if you guys have been here uh, with us for any period of time, you know that we have a great time setting up, getting prepared for, for Christmas, and this year is going to be no exception to that. So Assuming everything checks out uh, with all of us and, uh, you know, with our COVID tests and all that, we're planning on having our exterior Christmas decor day on November 21st at 10 o'clock. Um, and it, again, we, we just want you, we needed some people to come on out and help us get the, the, front, uh, the front looking great, setting up lights and decorations, and, and just getting, getting in the, the Christmas spirit. It, it's hard to believe it's only a, a few weeks away. Um, but it's always a fun time. We're looking forward to it. And so if you have any questions about our exterior decor day, make sure, make sure that you uh, message Meredith. Uh, she will have all the details for you. But um, plan to come on out. We'll have coffee and donuts, and, and it'll be a, a great time here together as our church family. So November 21st at 10 o'clock. So with that, we are going to pray over our morning tithes and offerings. Obviously, nobody is here uh, to give in person, but we want to thank you for giving online and being faithful to honor the Lord with your giving, either through our website, on our church app. We still even have people that are mailing checks here to the church, and we just want you to know how grateful we are and appreciate uh, you allowing us to do ministry here in uh, South Bend. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. We're going to pray, and then uh, we'll get on with our message today. So Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God, that you are good all the time. Father, that you are the solid ground, Lord, that doesn't shift beneath our feet. Lord, we are, we are so grateful and thankful, Lord, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And Lord, as, as we are having to do church differently this morning, Lord, we just, want to, we just want to praise you and honor you, Lord, that you are still good, that, that you don't reside in a church building, Lord, but that you go with us, that your Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. And so, Lord, I just pray that, it, that as we are sharing our time here together this morning, Lord, that you are just going to speak to our hearts, Lord, that you are going to quicken things in us, you're going to bring things alive so that we have a deeper understanding of who you are and, God, what it, is it, me what, is it, what it means for us to be followers of Jesus here in 2020. 
So, Lord, I, pr- I pray that you would just bless our church family, Lord, that as they give this morning, God, that you're just going to grow and multiply this offering that is going to go to make a, a difference in the lives of, of people that, that we might never even see or even know, Lord, outside of heaven, Lord. So, God, just do a mighty work in this. Grow and multiply it, Lord, and I pray that you would bless my friends this morning as they give as well. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, before we do get into the message, I do want to tell you we are going to take communion at the end of service. I forgot to say that a little bit earlier, so if you want to get some juice or crackers or whatever it is you would like to take communion with, we are going to do that at the end of service today as well. So um, we are going to be closing out our short two-part series that we are calling None of the Above. And if you were joined us at all last week, and if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. But the, the title of this series, None of the Above, really comes from the idea that, that in our divided political uh, season that we are in right now, Jesus is not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He's not a liberal, nor is he a conservative. Jesus operates outside of the, the boxes that we like to put people in here in our day today. And uh, man, like this election uh, really made for a fun week, hasn't it? <laughs> like, uh, I know uh, many of us were hoping for uh, an answer uh, for the results on Tuesday night, and obviously that dragged out for a number of days. And, and I wish that we could say that America spoke and everyone is just happy with the outcome and satisfied with the results. Um, but obviously that is not the case. The sad reality is that this election has really kind of revealed a, a lot of some of those deep divisions that are within our country. That this, this, this election has kind of brought a lot of those things up to the surface because about half of our country voted for Joe Biden. The other half voted for President Trump. And, and really, it was kind of similar to the 2016 election. I mean, we, for the most part, we are a fairly evenly divided group. I mean, I mean, you look at those swing states, I mean, it's only a few thousand votes that swing the, the vote one way or another in each of those states. And, uh, and, and so obviously, like, these divisions that we have are not brand new. They've been here for a while, and they haven't gone anywhere. And, but there are some people that they've chose not to vote for either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Um, some voted third party. Some people chose not to vote for president and just voted down ballot. And some people even wrote candidates in. Um, and, and in fact, in Georgia in 2016, the Fulton County Department of Registration and Elections compiled a list of all the people in Fulton County, Georgia, who were written in for president. I want to share some of those with you this morning. So Abe Lincoln was written in for president, Honest Abe. George Washington was. Somebody wrote Bacon. Bacon for president in 2016. I I could get around that. Bart Simpson and Homer Simpson each got written in. Willie Nelson, Snoop Dogg, Bill Gates, Bozo the Clown was written in. Chuck My Cat, Hooter the Dog, Rambo the Dog, Darth Vader, Dirt, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was written in, Huckleberry Finn, Chuck Norris. Like, who, who wouldn't go for President Chuck Norris, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, and, and Chris Paul, this one's for you. Even Stone Cold Steve Austin got, got written in for president in 2016 in Fulton County, Georgia. I mean, can you imagine, like, the president delivering the Stone Cold Stunner. I mean, it'd be pretty amazing now, wouldn't it? But, but I, think, uh, I think, you know, all of us, like, we, we realize there are some very serious divisions that we have within our country. And, and man, like, this election has really brought out the ugly. 
in, in, in our country in a lot of ways. And, and I, mentioned, I mentioned to you last week just how sad it really is that, that our country, like people that share the same country, same culture, same, same values, like are literally at, at one another's throats and screaming and, and yelling at one another, hating one another. And, and man, like, and that, that's just in person. Like, and then the, the vitriol that's on social media. Man, if, if you've watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix and that hasn't made you want to delete your Facebook account, I mean, surely this election and the political wrangling and shout fests surely has made you want to, to get rid of it. But it feels like we're completely divided about everything. Everything in this country, like it, it seems like it's just a, 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 a wedge issue that people end up fighting and disagreeing about. Obviously, there's Republicans versus Democrats. We have masks versus no masks, climate change versus no climate change, black lives matter versus blue lives matter versus all lives matter, urban versus rural. And, and even if you remember a couple of years ago, do you guys remember the dress from, from a couple of years ago and this viral sensation where people were debating and, and arguing over what color the dress was? Do you guys remember this? It was either white and gold or black and blue. And, and, and you think like, we can't even come to an agreement about this dress. Like, how crazy is that? Which, by the way, it was white and gold, I'm, I'm just saying. But, but I tell you, like, the, the divisions that we have in our country honestly feel kind of depressing. Like, gone are the days where you can have a disagreement with somebody and, and you can still be friends. Like, like, today, when we disagree, not only are you wrong, but the person that you're dis- disagreeing with is they're evil. It, like it's it's not a, it's not a, just a matter of us not seeing eye to eye. It's like now that we disagree, you're my enemy. And man, like what 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 happened? Like what what happened to our church? Like it, it, it's just it's or not to our church, our our nation. What what has happened in our nation that that's that that's the case? Like how did we get to this place where we can't even just have civil disagreements anymore? Where any, any kind of uh, difference of opinion means we're going to war with one another. That's not how it should be. And, and obviously this is a complicated issue. I'm, I'm not, I can't unpack, much less solve this issue of how do we heal all of the divisions within our country today. And obviously we can't fix everybody's thinking and mend all the partisan divides ourselves. But as believers in Jesus Christ, as the ones who, who carry the, the mantle, who carry the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus, we can choose a different way. There's things that we can do differently that will let the rest of the world see and take notice. And so this morning, the first thing I want to share with you is that a divided country needs a united church. A divided country needs a united church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. This is, this is what Paul starts his letter, his first letter to the Corinthian church. And he says this, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Being perfectly united in, in mind and thought. Like, I, I wish that the divisions that we have in this nation stopped at the door of the church. I, I wish that were the case, but it, it's just simply not so. And if you've spent any, any time on social media this week, and especially yesterday after the race was called for, for Joe Biden, it was, it was pretty ugly. Like, it, it, was, it was pretty ugly all, all around. And, and I shared with you that 
Last week, obviously, like as believers in Jesus Christ, we live in this world and we interact within this world, but ultimately, we're citizens of God's kingdom first. And, and these temporary issues, these temporary circumstances that we face in, in our country and in our nation today, we don't need to let those things come between us. We don't need to allow those things to, to divide us, and we don't need to succumb to fear about our future. Fear divides us, and, and we don't need to be afraid. As, as followers of, of Jesus, we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid at all. But that, that as, as believers, and that we're all different members of God's family, we can choose to unite ourselves under the banner of Jesus, that Republicans and Democrats and, and liberals and conservatives, like you, you've heard me say this before, that unity does not mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we all have to see alike and think alike and, and agree at all times. We don't have to vote alike or, or believe alike, but we can choose to put aside our differences for the cause of Christ. That, that's, what we, that's what we can do. We can put aside those petty differences that we have for the cause of Christ. And one of the things that I love about our church, what I love about Living Stones, is that we have a wide range of opinions here at this church. We are not a homogenous group where everybody thinks and acts and, and, and agrees all the time. Like I, and I love that about our church. And it's incredible because the second point I want to share with you is that diversity is a blessing. Diversity is a blessing. Like having, having a wide range of opinions, having a, a not a homogenous group, but it is, is a great thing for a church, for all of us. And, and let me show you. I, I want to show you a, a painting this morning. And this first one is by an artist. His name is Leonid Afromov. And, and I tell you, like, I, I love this picture. It's, it's just beautiful. There, there's so much color and shape and, and all this. And that's what gives this painting its beauty. Is the is the 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 wide array of of, of color and shapes that are in this. Now there's a, there's a second uh, picture of painting I want to show you, and this one is called One Mint Four, and and One Mint Four. This, this painting actually sold at auction not long ago. Forget this, forty three million dollars for this painting, like and and it's it's one color, like it, it's crazy to me, like and and it's, this is just my opinion, but I'd much rather take the painting that has the vast diversity of color and shapes than just a homogenous, uh, single-colored painting, much less paint $43 million. I could think of a lot of things to spend $43 million on other than that painting. But that's what we get to enjoy as the body of believers. We, we, we get the, the blessing, the opportunity to enjoy the diversity that is the body of Christ, that we don't all think alike. We don't all act alike. We don't all talk alike or vote alike. And we don't even all believe alike. And guess what? That's okay. That, that's, a, that's a good thing. It's not, that's not a bad thing at all. It's not bad for us to have differing opinions. That's not, that's not a negative at all. In fact, I would argue that surrounding yourself with people who are different than you actually makes you a better person. It actually makes you a better person. If the only people that you choose to surround yourself with are people who already agree with you? Are people who are just like you? Man, what, what a boring existence that would be. What a, what a boring church that would be. That, that's, that's, that, that's not what I would desire at all. But, but when we have people around us that think and, and act and vote differently than we do, it challenges us 
it challenges us in, in how we think. When we have people who ask us tough questions, it makes us better. Because we either have to work through and defend our, our stances and our opinions and our beliefs, and, and, and we can solidify some of those, and that's, a, I mean, that's always a positive. Or we hear a different point of view that maybe we had not considered before. Maybe we had not thought of before, and, and it helps us to see an issue from a different angle now. Either way, it's, it's a win for us. And, and the sad state of our country is that there, there's so many people right now who find themselves unable to associate with people who think differently than they do. They, they, can't, they can't even associate with people who are, who are different than them. Just last week, Don Lemon, and if you're not familiar with who Don Lemon is, he's, a, he's an anchor on CNN. He, he, he said on air, he stated publicly that he had to, quote, get rid of his friends who were Donald Trump supporters. He had to get rid of them. He said they were too far gone, and he just can't be friends with them anymore. Like, seriously? Like, that, that, that's lunacy to me. That, 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 we, that you cannot even choose to be friends and associate with people who disagree with you. Like, I mean, that, that's heartbreaking. I, I even know people who have left churches because, they were, because the church that they were going to had too many people in it who had differing political views than they hold. And let me tell you, like, that grieves the heart of God. That, that grieves the heart of God. When we can't even stand being around and worshiping alongside and being friends with people who have differing viewpoints than us. Man, that's a sad, that's a sad thing right there. Like, our, our love of Jesus and being adopted into his family should supersede any, political, any petty political difference that we have. Being adopted as one into God's family, that should take precedence over any of these other small, petty squabbles that we end up arguing and debating here. Paul said in his church to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But Paul is saying something so incredible right here. He's saying that all of these earthly divisions that we create, that separate people into groups, this is your category, this is your category, this is your category, all those man-made things that, that we separate people by, Jesus said, ultimately, that, that doesn't matter. Those things, those different groups and, and that society puts on you, that we've all been made one through Jesus. That we don't have to be divided. We don't have to separate ourselves into other groups. All, all these barriers and the divisions that we have in our world, Jesus came and said, and he smashed them to bits and said, no, no, you, you don't have to identify with any one particular group. That we are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and not only that, if you keep reading Paul's letter to the, to the Galatian church, in, in chapter 4, he starts to correct them, uh, talking about the same exact thing, saying that you, you, were once dif di excuse me, you were once different, you were once separate, and you had all these divisions, but now you've been made one with Christ. So why are you turning away from God and going back to those divisions that you used to be in? Why are you going back to those things when you've already been unified? You've been made one in Christ. He's just saying, stop it. Stop. 
That's not what the church should be. That's not what the church should look like. He's made all of us one. So stop going back to dividing yourselves once again. This happened even when Jesus came on the scene. When Jesus appeared on the scene, people tried to put him in a box. They tried to put him in categories. Are you, are you with Rome or are you against Rome? Are, are you with the religious leaders or are you a rebel? Are, are, are you a sinner or are you trying to stay pure? And, and Jesus, he refused to be put in a, into a box. Jesus refused to be put into a box. His top priority was people, not issues. That's huge. Jesus' top priority was people and not issues. He ministered to and loved everybody, not just some, not just the ones who agreed with him. He ministered and loved everybody, even the people that despised him, the people that plotted to get rid of him. And he even, he even had supper with the, with the very man who was going to betray him. Like Jesus served and loved everybody. His heart was for people, not for issues. He didn't come to make a point. He came to make a difference in the lives of those around him. And the, the final like, point that I really want to kind of camp out on today is this. And this is something I'm, I'm speaking for not just Livingstone's church, but, but all churches around this country, is that the church should be prophetic and not partisan. The church should be prophetic and not partisan. And, and when I say prophetic, what I mean is that we should be calling the world around us to something higher. To something, to something greater. That, that by our example, let the world see what it looks like for a diverse group of people who have widely different backgrounds to be able to be united and rally around one common cause. Like, let the rest of the world see what that looks like. Let, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Jesus, in Jesus' final recorded prayer, that after he had uh, had the, the Last Supper and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's getting ready to be betrayed and, and handed over to the officials right before he's, he's being crucified. And, and he, he, he shares one final recorded prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20 and 23. And, and he's praying for his, not just his disciples, but he's also praying for you and for me. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his disciples. He's, I'm not praying just for my disciples. But I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's, that's you and I. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as, you, as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know. Once they are united, once they are of one mind, once they have completely come together as one body, as one group, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying when God's people are united, just as the Father and Him are united. When God's people truly come together and, and start to live with one another in unity and understanding and in love, the world takes notice. The world sees that, wow, there is something different 
about the way these people live. That even though they are vastly different, they can still be come together and be united as one. They're asking, like the, the rest of the world will ask themselves, how is this even possible? Everything else in this world seems crazy and chaotic right now. But there's something different about those followers of Jesus. There's something different about them. A, a few chapters earlier, Jesus says something similar in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, A new command I give you, to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by the way that we love each other, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't know if, how many of you might remember the old song, they will, they will know we are Christians by our love. I mean, that, that's, that's what Jesus is talking about right here. He's saying that the rest of the world notices by the way we treat one another, the way we treat and interact with people in love, that people will see and recognize that only God could do this. Only God could. And, the, and he's talking, you know, the, the people in your family, the people at your work, the people in, in our community the, at, at large, we have an opportunity to show the rest of the world a different way forward. That's what we have. We, ha- we have a golden opportunity, church, to show the rest of this nation, the rest of the world, a different way forward. Instead of spending the next four years at one another's throats, instead of spending the next four years cursing one another on, on Facebook and, and treating people poorly, not associating with one another, we have an opportunity to show people a different way forward. Pastor Andy Stanley, he pastors North Point Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And he wrote an article for Time Magazine right before the election, just last week, right before the election. And he mentions this. He says, your political candidate will win or lose based on how American citizens vote on a Tuesday in November. But the church wins or loses. The community wins or loses. And in some way, our nation wins or loses based on how Christians love each other. That's why Jesus said we must not allow anything or anyone to divide us. Like, I, man, I see, I see believers, I see followers of Jesus tearing one another apart online, getting into to social media arguments, peddling conspiracy theories, and, and saying just some absolutely divisive things towards one another. And let me just be blunt and just ask a question about this. Who is drawn closer to Jesus through all that? The, the, these arguments and these fights, who's drawn closer to Jesus through those things? The vile things that I've heard some believers say, like how in any way is that honoring to God in any way and drawing people closer to Him? If, if, I, was, if I was, I'm just going to be honest with you here. If I was a non-believer and I saw some of the things that I've seen from people who profess Christ, I would want nothing to do with what they believe. I'm just being honest with you. I would want nothing to do with what, with what they believe. And, and I shared with you last week, like, it's okay for us to have strong political beliefs. Like, we should. We should vote, and we should be fired up, and we should be energized about things. That, that's okay. But we can never never allow those beliefs to take the place or to, to take the place uh, of true fellowship with others to cause us to 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 break relationship to cause division to to to, to fight and squabble like kindergartners 
Like we, we should never allow that to be the case. Instead of being partisan, let the church be prophetic. Let it be prophetic. Let's demonstrate to the rest of the world what it can really look like for people from all different backgrounds, races, political affiliations, socioeconomic status. Let's show the rest of the world what, what a diverse body of believers that we, we aren't just going to exist and tolerate one another, but that we're going to love one another in spite of our differences. Like, let, let's show the rest of the world a different way forward. Like, and what would that look like for us, church? What, what would that look like for Living Stones Church to be that example? To be that example? Like, what would our church look like? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a place that you would love to be a part of? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a place that, that people around us, when they see how we interact with one another differently than the rest of the world does, wouldn't that be drawing and intriguing to other people? Wouldn't they want to desire to be a part of something like that? I, obviously, r- regardless of how you feel about President Trump, the divisions and the brokenness that we have in our nation right now existed far, far earlier than, than just him, far be- before he just came onto the scene. But I think there's one thing that we can all agree on, every single one of us here, is that our country needs some healing. Our country needs some healing. Like, we have been too partisan, too divided, too broken, too uncaring for far too long. I'm saying let the church lead the way. Let the church lead the way in what what unity and healing can really look like. Let us, as the church, be the ones to take the first step towards healing and reconciliation with one another. Let us lead the way in love. So I, I want to close and just share one final scripture with you here. And, and I hope this reminds you a little bit of, of who we are as, as a body, who we are as, as a church. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 10. And Peter writes, he says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, talking to us right now, you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. A a few verses earlier in in this chapter, or excuse me, in this book, Peter talks about how we should love one another with all of our hearts. And he continues that thought right here. But he's saying, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. And all the rest of us are living stones that fit in and around him. That he is is building a, 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 a spiritual building and he's the cornerstone, and the rest of us fit neatly all around him. And whether we agree with one another or not, all true Christians belong to each other as stones in God's building. We do. We all belong to one another. And, and when Peter wrote this, he was actually writing to believers who lived in five different provinces. And yet he was saying, even though you're vastly different, you live in different areas, you have different cultures, that we all belong to one spiritual house. One spiritual house. 
There is unity. There's a unity in God's people that transcends all regional, economic, political, and social divides. We belong to each other because we belong to Christ. We belong to one another because we belong to Christ. And it is Jesus who is the center and the source of that unity. And if we focus our attention and our affection on Jesus, we will walk and we will work together in unity. But if we focus on ourselves, if we focus on ourselves, we will only cause division. And so let me just kind of close asking just a serious question right here. It's, it's easy to hear something like this and to think of all the other people out there who are sowing division. It's easy to, to hear something like this and think of, oh, did you hear what they said and, and all this? But I think we need to ask ourselves, are there places that I'm causing division? Are there places that I'm causing division? Are there things that I'm saying or things that I'm posting or, or ways that I'm treating and acting towards others that is actually a part of the problem? Let's just be reflective for a moment. Are there things I'm doing and saying and ways that I'm treating people that are a part of that problem of division? And on the flip side of that, let's ask us this. Ask ourselves this. What can I do to bring healing and unity? What's something I personally can do to bring healing and unity? What role can I play in reconciling people back to one another? Like, I, I want to challenge each of us this morning. What's, what's one thing you can do to start bringing unity with someone that maybe you don't agree with? What, what's something you can do to reach out and show love and care towards people that maybe you disagree with? It, one, I guess one other question alongside that is, is there somebody you need to make things right with? Are there, are there people that, that maybe you have, have, have gone to war with, that you've had the, these fights and these squabbles with? Like, is there somebody that you need to go, and you need to make things right, you need to mend a relationship? Maybe you need to own something you did, something you said, offer an apology. Is there somebody you need to reach out to to bring some healing and some reconciliation? And so the, this morning, I want to close by praying for our church, praying for our nation, but I also want to pray for, all, for President-elect Biden as well. Um, I would do the same thing if President Trump was, was re-elected. And, and whether, whether you support President-elect Biden or not, whether you believe in his policies, whether you voted for him or not, there's one thing that Scripture is crystal clear about, and it's that us as believers, we have a duty, we have a command, a responsibility to pray for those who are in leadership over us, whether we agree with them or not. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. No clauses, no exceptions, no buts. And so as we close, let, let's pray for him, let's pray for our nation, let's pray for our church this morning. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. Father, we, we want to thank you, Lord. God, that you are God over all. Lord, that even the differences that we might have, the different beliefs, opinions, political thoughts we might have, God, we know that you are still good. Lord, you are the one that reigns over all. And every single one of those arguments that we might have, those divisions, those differences that we might 
possess. Lord, let them not cause division within the body. Let it not cause division within our nation. But God, that you would use us as tools of reconciliation. God, you would use the church as a tool for what it can look like to find healing, to find restoration, that we can, we can disagree and still love well. Lord, I, I pray for us as a body, Lord, that you're going to help us to examine our hearts. And if, and if there are things that we've been doing that have been sowing division, Lord, that, that we just repent of that now. Lord, we turn away from that, Lord, and we want to seek, uh, seek and find ways that we can be united with our brothers and sisters around us. Lord, if, if there's people that we have hurt, the people that have, that, that have been wounded by us, Lord, that, that you would give us the courage to go and, and to make things right, to have those tough conversations. Lord, that you would use us, every single one of us, use us to be an example to the rest of this nation, to be an example to the rest of the world about what it can truly look like to disagree and still love well. Lord, we pray for President-elect Biden this morning as well. God, that as he gets ready to, to lead our country, God, that you're going to give him wisdom far beyond his years. God, that you're going to surround him with people who are going to uh, advise him well. Lord, that he's going to seek policies, Lord, that honor you, that glorify you, that care for, 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 for the unborn, that care for the marginalized, that care for the least of these. God, that he's going to surround himself with people and he, and, and that, that are going to bring this country together instead of dividing it further apart. Lord, there's a lot of tough things that he's going to be facing with, with coronavirus and the economy and racial divisions, all that's going on. God, that you would give him grace and wisdom to lead well in this process. And God, as, as believers, that we would make a commitment today to pray for our leaders. We would make a commitment today that we want to lift up those who, are, who, who hold government authorities. And God, ultimately, God, that you're going to bring healing that our, that our nation needs. You're going to bring healing within our relationships. You're going to bring healing within our church, healing within our nation, God. We need you. And we call out to you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take, we're going to take communion right now. So if you want to grab your, your juice, your crackers, anything that you might need for this. And, and I find it incredibly appropriate today that as we're taking communion, that we're talking about unity. That, that we're talking about unity. That, that the communion table, we've talked about this so many times, the communion table is open to everyone. It's open to everybody, regardless of, of what their political affiliation, regardless of what their past might have been. But the communion table that Jesus invites us to is open to everybody. And the, the vast diversity of believers that, that come to this same table and partake in these same elements, it's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the work that he did on the cross that we are made one with one another. There's nothing else in this world that could possibly bring people from, such, from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every, every political party together. There's nothing else in this world that could do it except for the cross, except for what Jesus did for us.
that we've been made one together because of the sacrifice that he made. I want you to think of Jesus' disciples for a minute. They They were tax collectors and fishermen and religious zealots. Or even in the early church, you had the Jews and the Gentiles, people that had vastly different beliefs. But they were all made one through the blood of Jesus. That's what we remember this morning. That the blood of Jesus is the great equalizer that brings us all together in the same faith, around the same table together. That we've been made one through the sacrifice that Jesus made. So as we take the elements this morning, let's reflect on that, on the unity that he has called all of us to. Let's take the bread together right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your body that was broken for us. And let's take the juice together as well. Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you, God, that you have called all of us to be united as one. Thank you, God, for what the cross represents. That a tool that was used to torture and to kill and to divide ultimately was the greatest tool ever, ever, ever created that brings people together. Lord, we celebrate that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have one final song for you this morning. Come join with us.